Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Today we're going to talk about, you know, we talked about Parable of the Sower for the last few weeks, uh, but we're going to talk about today, it's all about the heart. I'm going to do a quick recap on the Parable of the Sower, just to bring anybody up to speed in case you have missed. Um, but we're going to talk about David, and he's just an excellent example of somebody, you know, the, God said that he is a man after my own heart. And that's what we want it to be said of ourselves. We want to be a man or woman after God's heart. So again, we're going to look at his example and see some of the character qualities of, of why it is that way. So the goal here today is really for us to examine our hearts, you know, and, and just see where we're at, right? Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. Now listen to this. It says, it says, I, and, and this is God speaking. He said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And I'll tell you what, if, if that wasn't me before I was saved, I had a stony, very stubborn heart. Amen? But he, he takes that stony, stubborn heart, and he gives us a tender, responsive heart. I think that's the goal. We all want to have a tender and a responsive heart. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we're quick to listen. We're quick to obey. We, we, we move in the direction that he wants us to move in. Amen? Verse 27 says, I will put a spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulation. So again, today the goal is to examine our hearts and see where we're at. And, and, you know, this is not a beat down this, you know, you got up this morning, you're here, you're in church, you're in the environment, you know, that, that uh, the seed of the word of God can go forth and, and, and produce a harvest in your life. But, but here's the deal. What, what did Kenneth Copeland say at the beginning of the year? It's, a, it's about correction, direction, protection and perfection. So we're constantly wanting to be growing up and maturing. You know, if, if you look back a year ago in your life and you're at the same point that you were at then right now, you know, that last year was kind of for naught. You want to grow just a little bit each and every day and move forward in these tiny little habits, you know, over time, it'll, it'll completely change your life. You want to be in a constant growth mode, you know, not going backwards, but again, going forward, amen? And, and today the goal is, is, is for us all to get better, including myself. Now again, the parable of the sword, there's three different accounts, Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. I'm going to quickly read through Luke 8 today, but again, encourage you to study all these. Go into different translations and just, it's so rich. You know, Jesus said, this is the most important parable, you know, seed time and harvest. If, if the heart's not correct, when the seed of the word of God goes in, it's not going to produce the best harvest. And, and again, the four kinds of heart basically represent the four ways people respond to God's word. So it's not just hearing the word, but it, it, the word takes a response or some action on our part. So when we open the Bible into Luke chapter 8, verse 11, I'm going to again breeze through these. But the first type of heart, it talks about those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So again, the first side is that, that wayside heart. So when, when the seed is scattered, they, they just, they don't, they don't appreciate, they don't value the word of God, and, and they simply refuse to believe God's message. Amen? That's, that's that first type of heart. Uh, verse 13, it goes on to say, but the ones on the rock or the stony ground are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Another translation says gladness. They're, they're emotional hearers. And they have no root, no depth, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, 
they fall away. Again, they're emotional hearers. They get excited about the word. You know, they come in and they've never experienced praise and worship in an environment like this. And, and they're standing there and they're crying and they don't know why they're crying. And, and they just think this is the best thing ever. However, when they leave here, they don't stick with it. They, there's no depth. They don't allow the process of time to take place. So again, they're, they're just these emotional hearers. They're this, this stony ground and they, they hold fast for a season, but they're, they, they end up quitting and, and, uh, and going back into the world. Verse 14, it talks about the thorny heart. Now, these are the ones that fell among thorns, are those when they have heard, they go out and they're choked by the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. And that's the goal, again, is, is perfection is maturity. We're constantly trying to mature. So, you know, fruit comes forth as, as a result, but it doesn't have enough time to mature because those three things, the cares or the anxieties of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures of life, you know, those things come in and they choke out the word and, and it doesn't get to come to full maturity in our lives. Remember, we can, we can either hold on to the word of God or we can hold on to the world. And, and that's called a divided mind. We've got to make a choice. You know, Austin read the, the, the scriptures, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. If you're seeking the stuff and things and thinking, hey, once I get there and get all this stuff, you know, then I'm going to start serving God, it's not going to work that way because, see, you've developed habit patterns at that point. And, and again, you'll just be so distracted. You're, you're, it's impossible almost, you know, but by the grace of God to come back on track. So again, keep this thing in context. And, and uh, you know, so we want this good heart which is, is number four in verse 15. It's the fourth type of heart, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble, that word noble is also the word honest, and a good heart, they keep it and they bear fruit with patience. And if you were here Wednesday night, we talked about honesty and patience. And that word patience, not one of my favorite words, but if you really understand what it means, it's, it's cheerful endurance, it's, it's persistence, it's not quitting. Again, that emotional hearer, they weren't persistent. They weren't patient enough to allow the word of God time to come to, to fruition in their life. They, they quit before the word again, you know, was able to blossom and, and create change in their lives. And in honesty and humility, we talked that, that those two go hand in hand. And, and when you're an honest about your heart, you're honest about where you're at in life. You know, we break things down to four areas. Your faith your family or your relationships, your personal health and fitness, and finally, your finances. You know, we're here to examine our hearts, to hold up the mirror in those areas and figure out and be honest with where we're at and in humility go, God, I need to correct some things and, and maybe one or all of these areas, you know, and then get back on track and move forward. And if we're honest, humility comes in. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So if we come in and we're prideful about this and say, hey, you know what, this message doesn't apply to me, I don't need to work on this, and, and again, we're prideful rather than coming in humility, the Bible says that God resists the proud. But if we come in and we say, hey, I do have some things I've got to work on, you know, maybe it's in the marriage or as a parent or, you know, in, in all of these many different areas, that humility, when you come and ask God for help, his grace is poured out upon you. That, that grace is that supernatural power to help you become who God has called you to be. Amen? Is this making sense here this morning? Hallelujah. So David's greatest asset, we're going to, again, talk about David, uh, King David and, and just his life and, uh, you know, just what he was all about. So his greatest asset was his heart. And so we've been talking about, again, the parable of the sower and, and, and the soil of the heart. Why is the heart so important? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this. It says, guard your heart above all else. 
for it determines the course of your life. That's how important it is. It literally determines the course of your life. Now, if you like where you're at in any of those areas, you you just simply keep doing what you've been doing. What got you to where you're at is going to continue to keep you where you're at and continue to keep you growing and, and moving forward. But our life, you know, we, we think we want to change our life, but, but how does this work? You know, it, it starts with our thoughts, right? What we meditate on, what we think about constantly, what we're putting in, the seeds. Those seeds end up coming into our hearts. Our thoughts become our words, and then our words become our actions. Our actions become our habits, and then our habits form our life. And so if you want to change your life, you've got to come back and you've got to change your thoughts. Amen. Wednesday night we talked about Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's getting the right knowledge. It's getting, it's getting the right seed into you so it can give you the right information so that you can create the right life. Because again, if you don't guard your heart, it'll take you off track in life. But if you do guard your heart and you put in good seed, it'll give you a good life, amen? And that's what we're all looking for, this abundant life, an overcoming life, a life of faith, amen? Amen. So again, today the goal is, is, is to do a heart exam. We're gonna examine our hearts I'm not a surgeon, but, you know, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, amen? So we're going to take a look at, at David as an example. If we turn to Acts chapter 13, verse 22, to set this up. Now, now Paul had this amazing conversion from Saul to Paul, and, and uh, this was actually the first time that he was commissioned to go out and preach at the church of Antioch. And so he's telling about all the stories of, of, of Israel and, and, you know, how they were basically in slavery to Egypt and how God delivered them through the Red Sea, did all these mighty miracles and so forth. And then, and then God basically wanted to be their king. You know, he wanted to, to be their king and, and, and their ruler and whatnot and then have judges on this earth to take care of matters that, that, that were at hand. But, of course, the people looked at, at the surrounding tribes and the, and, the, and the surrounding people and they said, no, we want to be like them. We want to have a king. And he goes, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what you ask for. You're not going to like it. But then he puts King Saul in. And again, this is Paul basically telling the story of them going through this journey. And, and, and you know, Saul's the king. And, and then David's going to become the king. So in, on verse 22 of Acts 13, this is where we pick this up. It said, Paul said, God removed Saul and he replaced him with David. A man about whom God said. Here's what God said about David. He said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. The message version says, he's a man whose heart beats to my heart. Think about that. That's that's a pretty high expectation. His heart beats to my heartbeat. And that's what what we want to be said of us, amen? We want to be a man or a woman after God's heart. And then it goes on to say, he will do everything I want him to do. And again, this might seem like it's a lot of pressure, like it's, it's too high of an expectation, but, but here's the deal. God, he, he's looking for people that have a perfect heart. He's not looking for perfect people that, that have their life all together and, and things that are perfect. As we're going to find out with, with the life of David, he did many things right, but he did a few things wrong. But he, God still said, he is a man after my own heart. Amen? So again, God is looking for a perfect heart, a, a mature heart. That's what that word perfection means. And again, we're to be growing constantly. That's why you're here this morning, to grow, to be challenged, to be strengthened, to get better, amen, to move forward, amen, not just to come and and check the box that I went to church. No, it's not like that at all. We want to grow and move forward, amen. I know I want to get better. Who's with me? Amen. So God is looking for that, again, that perfect heart, the part that's mature, it's soft, it's pliable. Most importantly, it's teachable. Having a teachable heart. We don't know everything about everything, 
So the first quality out of the four qualities that I'm going to talk about of, of David and, and how he was a man after God's own heart, the first quality is obedience. And here's the deal. There could have been 10 or more qualities very easily. I just picked four that, that were kind of at the top of the list here. We just read that verse. It says, David was a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So it's not just hearing the word, but it's doing the word, right? First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, uh, Samuel is actually talking and, and actually correcting or rebuking uh, King Saul at the point. He says, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than, off, than the offering, the fat of rams. Obedience is better than than sacrifice. So the first quality of David being a man after God's own heart was that he had an obedient heart. He did whatever God told him to do. And that's the way we want to be, amen? We want to do what God tells us to do in our lives. And how do we find out what, what God wants us to do? It's in the Word of God. It's, it's coming to church and, and being in this environment. It's surrounding yourself with other godly believers, people that are moving in the direction that you want to move in, finding people that are, that are where you're at in life and, and simply connecting with them and doing what they did. And it's very likely that you'll get the same or similar results. Amen? But you do the opposite, and it's on you. But it's your choice, amen? amen. What seed you put in, as long as the, the heart is fertile, it's going to move forward. Now, you think about obedience, and you think about David, and, and, and this is also a, a, a thing of patience. You know, David was anointed to be the future king at around age 12 to 15. My youngest son, Max, just turned 13 a, a couple days ago. Imagine having Max come up, and we anoint him in the future. He's going to be the president of the United States. Amen? It was akin to that. You know, as a, a 12 or 13 or, or, or 14 year old. At age 17, he went out and he killed Goliath. And it wasn't until age 30 that he actually stepped into what he was appointed to do and, and, and became king over all of Israel. So you think about it, age 12 over to age 30, you're talking 15 to 18 years from the time that he was anointed and called to the time that he actually sat or stepped into that position. What did he do along the way? He did what he was called to do. He was a shepherd for many of those years. He was, he was in preparation. He was, he was developing his relationship with the Father. This stuff is not that difficult, you guys. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as, with your, as yourself. And if these relationships are off, the first question needs to be is, how is this relationship? What's, what's the last week or two or month look like in you and your relationship with God? Because if you get this straight, this will be good. And that's why, you know, he had been anointed at, at such a young age, but again, he was, he, was, he was in that development stage, you know, for all of those years, and, and, and he was faithful. Luke uh, chapter 16, verse 10, it says, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large things. You know, we want to be, you know, where, where we're called and then immediately step into, like, the front lines, and, and we're just not at a point character-wise where we're able to handle that. Amen. I remember years ago, um, you know, we've been coming here again around some 20 years or so, and it, it was, many of you know my story, you know, I was a drug dealer, got arrested for drug trafficking, and this was from the point, spent eight and a half months in jail, and then I got bonded out. We were living in Omaha, fighting my case for about 11 months or so, and, and uh, you know, Noah had come along, but it, it was, it was uh, one Sunday we came up here to church as we were living in Omaha, and I remember at the end, uh, Pastor Vicki didn't know I was there, and she just kind of beelined over on me, and, and she said, she said, Randy, I didn't know you were going to be here this morning. And uh, I said, yeah, you know. And she goes, uh, she, goes, she goes, you know, God spoke to me that one day you're going to talk in front of thousands of people. 
Well, little did she know that I couldn't get up in front of a room and say my name out loud with like, you know, butterflies and about wanting to throw up and whatnot. You know, and, and it's just an interesting thing. But that was 20 years ago. You know, and, and, and that process of time, and, and certainly I wasn't out looking to go and, and get in front of, of, of mass amounts of people. I, I, wanted, I had no desire for that, but through the process of time, you know, through being obedient to God and his word and, and being faithful in the little things, over time then, you know, God gives you more. And, and, and so that's just a word of encouragement for you, no matter where you're at. You know, if, if you're 12 to 15 year old or, or a teenager, if, you know, God has called you to something, you're never too young to, for God to call you to do something in your life. Amen? But again, stay the course because God has only good things in mind for you. Amen? But you got to stay the course. You got to be obedient along the way. So again, that first character quality is obedience. The second quality of, a, of David, of a man after God's own heart, is, is humble. It's, it's humility. And, and again, Wednesday night we talked about honesty and humility and how they fit hand and glove. They, they go together. Amen. Psalm 131 verse 1, it says this. David said, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. We don't use that word haughty a lot now. But, but again, humility, you think about this word. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not thinking, you know, you're, you're some old dirty sinner some old, you know, not good enough and, and, and just thinking that, that you're lesser than. No, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. When you come into church on, on Sunday morning, when you go to work, it's, it's not about, hey, I'm, I'm going to come here and I, there better be a message for me. I better receive something or else, right? You know what? No, it's coming in and, and, and with an attitude of service, right? Where an attitude of love where, hey, who can I encourage this morning? Who can I pray for this morning? Who can I, I smile at or, or, or be a blessing to? And then guess what? The blessed get blessed. You bless others and you'll be, a, you, you'll be blessed as a byproduct of that. And you'll get exactly what you came looking for. But it's again, it's about your attitude. Amen? That's a humble person. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. An arrogant person, on the other hand, that, that's that word haughty. Exaggerated self-esteem. They have a, a real high self-esteem of, of themselves. It's a, not, a, not a healthy self-esteem. I guess that's the best way to say it. You know, an arrogant person, they walk in the room and they're, they're competing with everybody. They're sizing everybody up. You know, they're, they're, they're looking at people that, that they believe are lesser than them and, and they're critical of them and they're condescending toward them and, and how they communicate with them. They're actually looking at them and, and they're looking over them to, to try to find somebody that, you know, has more maybe to, to offer them because they're not concerned about this person that's in front of them. They're always looking on to the next person. That, that, that's that condescending person. Or, or if somebody they do perceive as better than them, yeah, they're nice to their face, but behind their back, you know, they're talking about, they're jealous of them. You know, and just talking about, hey, they got to that position because of this, that, and the other. They're arrogant. Amen? They're not confident in the Word of God. They're arrogant. And they, and they think themselves more highly than they ought to think. And, and humility is the cure for that. Amen? And that arrogant person, they rarely admit their weaknesses. And they, they never want to highlight the strengths of somebody else. The key to leadership in life is this, is, is you figure out what you're strong at, and, and you highlight that. You double down on that. You, you put all your energy and time into that. And then you surround yourself with people that are, that are strong where you're weak at. And that's what builds a strong team. And that's what, what builds an army that moves forward. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. And that's, not, that, that's showing, that you, you, showing the world that you're a great leader, not, not a weak leader. Amen. When, when you can highlight other people's strengths. Think about this phrase. Arrogance is a disease that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. Arrogance is a disease that makes everybody around you sick except the one who has it. You know the, the, the thing about deception, right? 
The only one that doesn't know they're deceived is the one that's deceived, right? So again, it's about examining our hearts today. I know there's no arrogant people in here. That's for otherwise. But again, we just need to know this stuff to make sure that our hearts are humble at all times. And, and we can be arrogant in certain areas, you know, and, and humble in area, other areas. But again, that humble heart is what God gives grace to and, and he'll help us move forward. Amen? So the first quality is obedience. The second quality is humility. The third quality is easy. This is a, that, that David was a worshiper. I mean, there's 150 psalms, and, and he wrote over half of those psalms. I think it's somewhere around 80 of the psalms uh, David wrote. So obviously, he was a worshiper. He, was, he had an attitude of gratitude. He was very thankful. Psalms 145, verse 1 through 3, it says this. He said, he said, I will exalt you, my God and King. See, he's not exalting himself. He's exalting God. I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. He says, great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let's give God a shout of praise right now, amen? Hallelujah. See, you worship him for who he is. It's not what you've done, but it's what he's done through you. Of course, he's given you the gifts and the talents, and yes, you've developed those, but initially, it all comes from God. But by the grace of God, I am, amen? Amen. Psalms 100, verse 4 through 5, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. This is how we come to God. We can enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We be thankful unto him and we bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures for all generations. You know, I was thinking Wednesday night after service, I was talking to Seth and, and just went up and, and just encouraged him. I was like, man, you know, you've been coming here a couple years, and I said, I've just been watching your life and, and how you've grown and how you've developed. And, and you know, he invited us to his, his son's birthday party and, and just seeing how he's interacting with, with Nash and, and, and just all those things. I said, man, it's just a, it's a witness and a testimony of God's transformation power, but it's also a witness and testimony of, of his heart and, and him, you know, seeking first the kingdom of God and, and getting into God and, and, and what God's done in his life in such a short period of time. And, and so I asked him, I said, hey, you know, this isn't by accident. What, what's kind of like your, in business, we call it our daily method of operation. What are your daily habits like, you know, when it comes to your spiritual life? And he said, man, he said, when I first wake up in the morning, he goes, I'm just grateful. I have an attitude, you know, where, where I, I, I just thank God and I pray. And if Nash is with him, Nash will come in and they'll pray together. And I'll tell you what, that little guy at five years old has such a heart for God, such a, a passion for God. He, he loves Jesus. So you can tell behind the four walls, that's what he's doing. He's got this attitude of gratitude, amen? He's starting out his day like that. Seth is a worshiper, and, and because of that, he's a man after God's own heart, amen? He has a soft and pliable heart, and many of you, I can say, you know, the same thing, amen? You have a, a, a heart after God, amen? You're, you're a man or a woman after God's heart. Amen. Psalm 118, verse 24, this is, this is what you do first thing in the morning. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I choose today to rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter what the situation and circumstances, I choose this day that I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. So what do you do with this? What do you do with the worshipful heart? I'd encourage you this. You know, there's 31 Psalms in the earth, 31 Proverbs in the Bible, roughly 30 days in most months. Every day wake up and read one of the Proverbs or some, somewhere throughout the day. 150 Psalms. Read a handful of Psalms each day. You know, I've heard it said where, where Proverbs is kind of God giving his instruction, you know, to us. He's, he's teaching us how to be godly parents. He's teaching us how to manage our finances. He's teaching us, it's, it's, it's Solomon's wisdom, the most wise man who ever walked the earth besides Jesus. It's, it's him downloading all of this stuff in our lives. And read it through different translations. And every month, just go back over and over and over. And I promise you this, 
You're gonna have times where you talk to people and you share something with them and you're like, man, where did that come from? See, that's God's wisdom because you've hit his word in your heart. It comes out. A lot of times you might not know exactly what it's saying, but because you've been faithful in that and been depositing the seed of the word of God in the good ground, it's gonna come out. And then with the Psalms, again, you're, you're praising God. You're learning how to worship him and, and, and how to pray and all that. Read those Psalms. That's how you take and apply the word of God or, or this message to your life. Does that make sense? Amen. So again, the, the man or woman after God's own heart, they're obedient, they're humble, and then they're a worshiper. And those are great qualities. Now this fourth one, this is a little more difficult one. It's repentant. And we all know the story of, of King David. He had an you know, amazing run, an amazing life. You know, but we get to the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is where we're going to ride out to chapter 11, verse 1 through 5. David and Bathsheba. And it says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So first wrong thing, where's he supposed to be? He's supposed to be out fighting, you know, with the other kings, isn't he? He's supposed to be out leading his army. He was such a great leader that he knew that, hey, they can go out and they can do this without me. However, he's supposed to be out leading by example. He was out of position. And that's how we do things in life a lot of times. You know, we get, we get you know, some breakthrough in our lives. We get some abundance. We, 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 you know, life is going really good. And our human nature is to do what? Take the foot off the gas and to get comfortable. David was so comfortable. And in verse 2, it says, late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. I mean, what is he doing? Middle of the afternoon, taking a nap. Amen? He's comfortable. And see, comfortable can, there's this healthy tension. For him, it turned into complacency. So we can look at his life and we can stand back and we go, you know what, he, he, he was anointed at 15, he killed Goliath, he, he you know, was, was king at age 30 and, and he conquered you know, everybody around him and so forth, but now he's at a point where he's just gonna sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of his life. But you know, an interesting thing happens when you, when you do that. You take your foot off the gas and you're just not as passionate about the things of God as you once were, amen? And you become comfortable and, and, and then the enemy's biggest uh, scheme in your life, he gets you to drift. Oh, he likes money? We'll pour money on him. Oh, he's, he's got lust in his heart? Okay, we'll bring this into his life. And again, you know, it's been said that the devil knows your candy and he just, he's gonna sit and bring that back and he's gonna tap on that thing over and over and over. And you know how it goes. What, what, what does Pastor Mike always say? The only way to overcome sin is to starve it. So, you know, we can, we can just tell by David's life. And, and again, this is an example. We're not beating David down and I'm not beating you down. It's, it's an example that if this can happen to David, it can happen to us. So we want to look at this example and we go, okay, what, what, what happened here? He obviously drifted. He was not feeding his spirit anymore. He was started to, to feed the flesh. And so then when temptation came, when he's out walking on his, his deck or his veranda in the, in, the, in the middle of the afternoon, when he's supposed to be out fighting, so he's out of position, as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Verse 3 says, he sent someone to find out who she was, and here's what he was told. Now you think about this. She is Bathsheba. She's the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So he was crystal clear on who this woman was. It was somebody's wife. He knew exactly who she was. Then David sent messengers to get her. Another translation, he said, it says he took messengers to take her. Okay, you don't disobey the king. You do whatever the king tells you to do. So you, you get put in a tough spot here. 
I either disobey the king and I maybe lose my life or I go along with it, you know, and I, I enter into this act of adultery here. And it says, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites and having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Verse 5 says, Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. So David, we're, we're, again, he's, he's drifted off course. He's become comfortable. He's gotten complacent. He's not as passionate and fired up about the things of God anymore. He's, he's not fi- uh, feeding his spirit anymore. He's feeding his flesh. So what happens when temptation comes? He takes the bait. And it wasn't just a look. You know, it, it, the, 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 the root of adultery is lust. Instead of looking and going, no, I, I, I need to not look at that. Because the spirit is strong, no, the opposite happens. He not only looks at it, but then he asks for her, and then he goes through all these processes of saying, hey, no, I, I need to go and take her for my own. Lust takes at the expense of others. And, it, and it, you cannot satisfy it. You cannot satisfy sin. And this isn't just about lust, you guys. Greed, gossip, anger, bitterness, jealousy, all the stuff. Sin takes more and more and more. And so what's the, the, the examining of our hearts? To feed our spirit so our flesh is so weak that when temptation comes, we laugh at it. We're like, really? I, I know where that's coming from. I've seen that before. Amen? Amen? And we just overcome it. And, and that's how you walk in victory. Amen? But recognize this. It never dies completely. It only goes dormant. And I'm telling you, you put the, the spirit things down, you'll be surprised at, at where you can end up. Amen? And again, this isn't a beat down. This is an examination. Remember, we're examining our hearts. Where are we at right now? Amen? Examine our hearts because we don't want to end up like this. So David, he, again, you know, finds out she's pregnant. So what does he do? He sends for Uriah, has Uriah come back. He assumes that, hey, Uriah will come back and, and stay with his wife and, and, and then it'll all be good because they'll think, you know, Uriah is the father of, of this child. But Uriah is such a man of integrity, he literally sleeps at the palace gate. And the next day, uh, David comes to him and he's like, Uriah, like, what are you doing? You're, you're home here. Why aren't you with your wife? And he goes, how could I be with my wife when, when my men are out there fighting? That's where I need to be. I need to be out there in position of where God has me to be, which is where David was supposed to be at. Amen? And now sin breeds more sin. What's he do? He brings him in and he says, you know what? He's, he keeps scheming. He's trying to sweep it under the rug. So he, he gets him drunk. And he's like, man, I'll get him drunk because see, when you get drunk, your inhibitions are minimized, right? Now, now he'll start to, to have some chinks in his arm and not be a, a man of integrity. But he was such a man of integrity that he still slept on the palace steps that next night. So David come to this point where he realized like, hey, I'm not going to be able to get out of this this way. So he's got to come up with another plan. Instead of just going to God and repenting, he continues to scheme. And again, you guys, David is a man after God's own heart, and he's still in this situation, right? That's why we need to examine our own hearts and figure out where we're at with this. So what does he end up doing? He ends up, you know, writing a letter to Joab. He gives that letter to Uriah. Uriah hands it to Joab, and it says, hey, Joab, you need to put Uriah at the front of the battle. Put him where the battle is the most hot. And Joab's reading this, and again, you don't disobey the king. So Joab knows that Uriah his life is going to be required of him. He doesn't know why, but he's not going to disobey the king. Amen? That's just how it was back then. And so then news comes back that Uriah's life was required of him. And, and go into 2 Samuel, you know, chapter 11 and verse 12, and read through the story. It, it, it's so rich on how David responded. And this is how I tie this into the parable of the sowers. You know, you, you've got this good, fertile soil, this good ground that's soft and subtle, so, you know, and, and, and sensitive. Then you've got this thorny ground and, and then the stony ground and then you've got the wayside ground. 
And David earlier, he was at a point where his heart was so fertile and so, so, so teachable and so leadable and moldable, there's no way he would have entered into anything like that. But you see, over time, he regressed backwards from that fertile soil to maybe the, the thorny soil to probably the stony ground. Because when he heard about Uriah and, and his life being required of him, he showed no emotion whatsoever. Imagine that. He had a relationship with Uriah because he developed this man up, you know, to be one of his, his, his army leaders. But his heart had got so hardened that it didn't even bother him because he's trying to cover up his sin. And you think about this. He, David is a repentant man, but, but it was nine months that went by. Nine months that God gave him grace to get this thing corrected, to repent, but he didn't do it. So God had to send the prophet Nathan to, to tell him a story, and I don't have time to go into the story, but go in and read it. Uh, it was a parable basically about you know, a, a rich man having a bunch of sheep, and then there was a poor man that had only one sheep, and a, a traveler came in, and, and you know, rather than uh, slaughtering one of his own sheep, he took the poor man's sheep, the only thing he had, and he slaughtered that sheep and gave it to the traveler. And David said, you know, with an indignant heart, he said, he said, that man should be, should be killed. And Nathan said, that man is you. Sin will always find, our, find, find us out, amen? No matter how much we try to sweep it under the rug. And sin leads to more sin, leads to more sin, leads to more sin. And it started out as lust. The good news here is, is it says immediately David repented and he says, I have sinned against God. Immediately he repented. But again, it wasn't for nine months. So imagine how he lived for that nine-month time frame when you're living in sin and, and you're not able to be confident to God because, you know, what are the triplets? Guilt, shame, and condemnation. You know, you want to go to God, but the enemy's telling you, hey, you're no good. You know, you've done this and, and God's never going to forgive you and all this stuff, right? So it's, it's hard to come confident before God because you've got this guilt, shame, and condemnation. But there's good news, amen. Psalm chapter 51 such a powerful scripture. This was written after, you know, all of this mess with, with David and Bathsheba. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. That was, that was the restoration process, amen? But see, it all could have been alleviated had he just been where he was supposed to be at, out on the, on the front lines with, it, with, with his troops, leading them, passionate about God, not, not putting the things of God off to the side, you know, maybe the, the cares of the world or the, the deceitfulness of riches or, or, you know, whatever else just got in there and it, and, it, and it choked the word. He knew the word. There was fruit and evidence in his life. But that's why this is such a wake-up call. You have a mature man, David, who is a man after God's own heart. If he can fall into it, how about us? And that's the examination, amen? So as we're examining our hearts here this morning, you ask yourself, if David was so committed to God, how did he end up in that situation? It's real easy. One step at a time. Doesn't happen overnight, but it happens over time. Remember, we have the world on one hand, and we have the word of God on the other hand. And if we've got that divided mind, we've got we've to give up one for the other. And I'm telling you, give up the world. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you.
Amen? Amen. The great news is this. God is a God of restoration. He's a God of mercy. I think that's the, the biggest, you know, uh, hidden secret of this whole story of David and, and Bathsheba is how merciful God is because he, he goes on to him and Bathsheba, you know, they end up getting married. They end up having King Solomon who becomes king and, and the wisest, most prosperous man that had ever lived. So in spite of ourselves, God can still use us. And that's the word of encouragement here this morning. No matter what you've done, no matter what your background God still has a plan for your life. He can unscramble scrambled eggs. Amen? My wife and I were living proof. I could point out person after person, couple after couple, family after family in here of how God has, has taken what the devil meant for bad and turned it around for good. This wasn't God's best. It wasn't God's best. But it's, it's an example that as a byproduct of us messing up, God is merciful. He's faithful. And the awesome thing is, is our Savior, Jesus Christ, came through the lineage of King David. How awesome is that? And he also made it into Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. So there's always hope. No matter what you've done, no matter what your background, get back on track. An obedience heart, a humble heart, a worshipful, grateful heart, and most importantly, a repentant heart. You know, when we used to, when the boys were a little younger, we'd pray every night before bed, and now everybody's a little more scattered, but, you know, it would always be, you know, asking God to forgive us of anything that we've done throughout the day, teaching them this attitude of having a repentant heart. Wake up first thing in the morning with an attitude of gratitude, go to bed with a, with a heart of forgiveness. That keeps your heart soft and pliable, and it keeps it good, amen? And if you do those things, you'll become a man or a woman after God's own heart. And I know many of you, you're already there. I'm preaching to the choir here, Amen. This message was probably more for me than anything. And I'll tell you this. I'll never teach something or preach something to you that I haven't been through myself. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So David's shortcoming again. It wasn't, it wasn't anger or fear or, or jealousy. It was lust. That was the root of all of it. And this heart examination. Be self-aware in your life. It's not the other person that's the problem. It's always examining our own heart because we're the only one that we can change, amen? Keep that soft, obedient, humble, worshiping, repentant heart. It's all about the heart, amen? Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30. We also have a midweek service on Wednesday nights from seven to eight. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.